please subscribe, rate, review, and share the Uppity Women podcast. It only takes a minute and it really helps us out. Thanks. Welcome to Uppity Women. Today's guest is Felicia Johnson. She is the owner of Sevenfold Coaching and she is a happiness coach. Whether happiness comes from life or work, which are the same thing, she will help you figure out what is keeping you from being truly happy in what you're doing, among many other things, which which you'll hear in the conversation. This was a pretty wide-ranging talk. I feel like everything we started talking about just led me down other paths, and so I didn't really keep us super focused on actual work-life happiness, aka balance. So it is a little bit meandering, but I think it's all related. So um, I hope you enjoy it. I also, I like the way Felicia uses what she calls real talk. I think sometimes when we're working with professionals, we forget that they may have also been through similar experiences and maybe have some of the same struggles that we do. So there is a, a feeling of comfort in knowing that they can empathize with us and understand things that we might be dealing with. So I like that. I also... I know that I do this with my African-American friends or people of color who I might talk to. I am so, um, I don't know what the word is. I'm so, um, I think I'll just call it obsessed because I can't really think of a better word at the moment, but I'm obsessed with fixing racism. And I think about it a lot. And I think about myself and how I move through the world. And I'm trying to be a better person and I know that I make mistakes. And so I often want to talk about things with people of color and I know that they must get sick of hearing it. And so I've got to stop. And I also know it's not their problem to fix, it's mine, which I understand. Um, but I like the feedback. I, I like to know that I'm maybe on the right track. I also like to admit my own biases and my own, I guess, assertion of power or privilege. I guess I'm not really sure how to word that, but I don't want to pretend that I don't have biases because I think that's the only way that I can sort through them and try to figure it out and it is a lot of work and it often makes me feel bad about myself but I know it's all part of the process and really I just want to be a good person and treat people well regardless of who they are or what they look like and so it's anyway it's just a constant struggle I'm I'm rambling about it but when I was listening back to the episode and the discussion about African-American women and people having to be twice as good to get half as much, I really felt emotional listening to it. And you can hear me that I'm struggling to articulate my thoughts. I always wonder, I think if I'm doing enough or if I'm even doing anything. And also it feels sometimes like one person can't have a great impact, but I also think that that's not true because I think our behavior teaches other people. And if we're doing the right thing, or at least what we think is the right thing, then I think that gives them power and courage to also do the right thing. So I guess the more of us who do that, uh, the better off we'll all be. And I don't know that there's anyone who does any of this perfectly, but I will continue to try and I'll try to stop accosting my African-American friends <laughs> to to make them suffer yet again through me trying to talk about it. But anyway, that was not the purpose of this conversation. It was to hear more about Felicia's coaching. And she also has a book called, Do You Feel Like a Fraud? And it's it's available on Amazon. I think it's only $10. And the Kindle version is, gosh, like four fifty or 5 bucks. I mean, that's nothing. There's no reason you can't go get it. And I know that we all suffer to some degree the imposter syndrome. 
we talk about that. We talk about men suffering from the same thing. It was a really good talk. I hope you enjoy it and um, hit Felicia up. I cannot wait to hire her for a session because I really need to get to work and work better on all of my projects. And that probably includes cutting things out. But anyway, this has gone too long. Please enjoy. So my name is Felicia Miller Johnson and I am from nowhere. <laughs> So people <laughs> nowhere and everywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, my dad was in the military. So we moved around from place to place. I was born in Alabama. And by the time he was retiring, I was getting ready to graduate college. Mm. And then I stuck with what I know. I married an army man who's actually from Texarkana. And mm. so that's how I wind up here in Little Rock. I'm here with him. Did you live in Texarkana or did you come right to No, we actually met at Fort Benning um, when we met. And so um, he came back here when he became a recruiter. And so once he finished his enlistment, we've been here ever since. So this is the longest I've lived anywhere in my life. So it's going on about 19 years now. We are in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Although mine wasn't military. My mom got married a lot. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure she loves to hear me describe it that way. But, uh, <laughs> She has. Um, so, yeah, so I consider South Dakota my home state, but only because I think my family lived there the longest. Mm -hmm. And even though no one is there anymore, it's a it's a whole thing. But, yeah, so I can totally relate to that. So when people ask you where you're from, it's like, oh, I live in Little Rock. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I tell people home is where the family is at. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I also say, you know, if I was to go home today and my husband say, hey, let's move to such and such. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah used to that. I um, love moving. So. Yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity to meet new people. Yeah. Having that experience as a military has definitely added value to my life because it gave me an opportunity to live in various cultures. I mean, we lived from the East Coast, which is a very different vibe from the South. And we lived in Hawaii, which is mostly Polynesian culture, which is a totally different vibe. Mm -hmm. And so just having exposure to that has enhanced my ability in order to connect with people that don't necessarily look like me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We should all be required to travel. <laughs> I don't know what the quote is exactly, but I think it was Mark Twain who said, you know, the best way to kill prejudice is to travel, right? Yeah. And I agree with that. What do you, so when I'm in the mountains in Colorado, that's where I feel the strongest sense of place. Do you have a mm -hmm. place like that? Or is it truly just wherever you are? It really is wherever I am. Mm -hmm. And really it's with my, um, I guess my immediate family being that it's my husband and my kids, because that's just how I grew up. It was my mom and dad and, you know, my brother and I, and actually I was a single kid for a very long time because my brother and I are exactly nine years and a day apart. Oh, wow. Um, yes, I'm born December 23rd. He's born December 24th. So oh, wow. Nine years apart, though. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like we were both siblings, but then we were yeah. <laughs> only children at the same time because I'm 18. He's not. Right. Like, you know, right. we we're living a totally different lifestyle at that point. Um, but you had a little baby doll then at nine years old. Did you like that or was it more of an intrusion? You know, it was... It was cool because he just brought a different perspective mm -hmm. on it because um, a lot of when he first was born, my dad was in Germany. And so we learned to kind of just work together. Mm -hmm. And yet we were independent at the same time. Because mm -hmm. like I said, you know, there was only so much a nine year old could do with a with a baby baby. Yeah. And so there wasn't a lot of competition or anything, I think. Probably the biggest memory I have with my brother is uh, when we were watching Karate Kid, and I, and I thought I could do the end kick, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I like bust his lip, like oh my gosh, <laughs> that's just one of the fondest memories that I have of 
of our age differences. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't think it would actually work. <laughs> <laughs> it probably shouldn't have, but maybe that says something about you. I don't know. It, it did. Yeah, but you know, it's it it was a a good experience. Like I said, I think we got the best of both worlds and having a sibling, but at the same time, we still were. Um, independent. Mm-hmm. We got to have our own independence too. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. So moving around a lot, I've heard both ways. Um, there are some people who in the military are really tight with their colleagues. Others don't try to create those relationships because they know they're not yeah. going to stay. How do you think you developed in that sense? Yeah. So my relationships, um, shout out to, you know, my girls is that they know the ones that come into your life, They'll always be in your life. Mm -hmm. And I have friends that I have not seen in years based on the military. You know, they're still in the military or moving around. But we can call each other if we need anything. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those relationships where some people are like, we have to talk to each other every day or we have to go Mm -hmm. out for drinks every day. It's just like, you know, when we do talk with each other, we just pick up, you know, right where we we were, Mm -hmm. catch up. Mm -hmm. And then it might be a year or so. Um, but we know that we always have a bond and connection mm-hmm. that we always have. And so that's how my relationships are. Some people, yes, are impacted by that. They don't get a chance to see their friends every day and all that. But that was all I really knew. And so it was, I didn't look at it as I lost something, but rather I just have a variety of places with friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, you know, call my girl a little bit. Hey, you know, I'm coming to Hawaii and we talk you know, that kind of thing and, and connect or, you know, hey, I'm coming back to Jersey because I graduated high school in Jersey. Like, I feel like I can adapt into a lot of different places, mm-hmm. which is beautiful rather than feeling like a stranger mm-hmm. in places. Yes. Mm-hmm. I almost said that I can, I, I feel the same way about myself, but that isn't entirely true because I really feel out of place in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been here for 22 years and mm-hmm. um, it took me about 15 to be happy to be here. I am now, yeah. um, but I still don't feel like I quite fit in. I definitely have my communities, but you know, I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. I'm a feminist. I'm really liberal. I'm not racist. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not classist. And so, uh, not that everyone in the South is that way, mm-hmm. but there are definitely challenges here that I did not experience elsewhere. I lived in New York. I lived in New Jersey, the Midwest. So it is, it's a, it's a daily struggle for me, honestly, you know, yeah. to think about, but I'm also a fixer. And so I feel, you know, I'm like, oh my God, there are all these problems to fix. And <laughs> we'll probably get into that a little bit. And I'm going to try mm-hmm. not to project a whole lot, yeah. um, but well, let's talk about your professional background. Yeah. I have a bachelor's degree in business administration, concentration in marketing. Uh, fast forward, I have a business administration degree, master's. So having moved around from place to place, a lot of my career has been in marketing, working for the government. So, you know, I was familiar with that. Having worked at the Air Force Base and Fort Benning, um, those different things, because I know the military Mm -hmm. family. Next probably big transformation move was probably when I went and worked for higher ed uh, education for their director of academic affairs. So I've always said that I am... I know enough in a lot of different subjects that I can relate and mm-hmm. kind of have engaging, intelligent conversations about different things. So that really worked well for that. And then I had a transformation change. I went and worked for a nonprofit, which is the first time I had ever done that, which was, you know, different. You know, it's run like a business, but not a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably like one of the biggest switches that I've ever experienced in a career of just like, okay, it's, you're working for a cause, but at the end of the day, 
we still have to be able to operate. That's right. Um, and, you know, do all the different things in the business world that it takes. Yeah. I think, and, and just to interrupt for just a second, uh-huh. I, I, that is, I have a nonprofit. And that is something I think that people don't put together from both sides, either the person running the nonprofit or who wants to create one. Mm-hmm. And then people outside, it is a business. Mm-hmm. It, just because it's nonprofit doesn't mean it's not a business. Yeah. And so that's, it's a struggle to explain to people that you need operating expenses yes. <laughs> or that you have expenses you need to pay for. And then also as someone who wants to start a nonprofit, I think they don't understand that they're actually starting a business Yeah, and it can be a real challenge. Yeah. I've, it was interesting. Like I said, when you have individuals that work in those Usually a lot of times nonprofit people that I, I ran into have never worked in a for-profit type setting. Mm-hmm. And so trying to explain all of that and then just, you know, they're just seeing the cause. And it's just like, well, we have to do all these things in order to be able to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's that was the probably the biggest change mm-hmm. of for me. And then that nonprofit actually was changing and relocating and uh, my position phased out, which ultimately led to me being my entrepreneur of starting Sevenfold Coaching as a transformation coach, life coach, and working with women uh, specializing in stress and how do they do life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we talk a lot of times we hear work-life balance. I like to say work-life happiness. Mm-hmm. It's like, what does that look like for you? I'm not asking you that everything is going to be level and equal, but ultimately at the end of the day, what's going to help you to be happier mm-hmm. and help you to work better? Um, just helping women with that and then helping organizations. I really have a passion too for workforce engagement because I worked in so many places where the people were not happy and just upper management didn't see that. It's like, you have to take care of your people. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, when they're coming in here at the end of the day, if people are not engaged, that's costing you the business. Mm-hmm. So helping them to see the soft skills are just as important as the training of the practical knowledgeable skills for a mm-hmm. particular position. So. What was it about this that kind of called you? What, what, I mean, we can all go to work and see that Mm -hmm. we're miserable, but what was it specifically about coaching that intrigued you or that made you want to go into this specifically? Yeah. So Felicia means happy. And there was a time I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I was suffering from, you know, work-life stress. I was suffering from um, imposter syndrome. And so a lot of people don't realize about positive syndrome. They may not have heard that phrase, but basically is, you know, when you're doubting yourself, I have to be twice as good. I don't belong here. I have to do all these different things, which ultimately usually drives you to be successful that people don't see. And I am a achiever. And so a lot of people wouldn't know at all that mm-hmm. what Felicia's under stress, like they would have no clue, but I knew. And so I went on a self-transformation journey because I was, you know, just kind of tired. It's like, okay, there's got to be more, you know, to this. And actually, I know we kind of talked a little bit about Arkansas with Brian here, you know, moving around from place to place. You know, God and I kind of had this talk one day where I said, why Arkansas? Why Little Rock? Like, what of all the places that I've lived, what am I supposed to be doing here? And so, you know, later on, I was reading Time Magazine, the issue about happiness and I saw an infograph about the state of happiness, and they ranked all the various states. And of that, Arkansas is ranked 49 out of 50 Wow! for the state of happiness. And that's happiness generally or happiness at work? Generally. Or, so the, yeah. the, the five areas is like in purpose, finances, community, social engagement, and um, physical 
are the five areas they say contribute to your happiness mm-hmm. level. And of all of those, uh, Arkansas is like last in like two of them, fifth in like two of them. And the, the community one, which is interesting enough, is the only one that we were not ranked five or below hmm. in that out of those four out of those five categories and so that was a aha Mm -hmm. okay if if i am going to be a coach to help people to be happier i guess i'm in a state to where there's a need for that we are also on another research study of stress levels arkansas is ranked six in the top 10 most stressed out states Yeah. I my assumption would be that that is income based. Mm. People are having to work more for less money. It's easy to live here, it's not expensive, but I say that as someone with a law degree, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I know there are lots of folks out there who are trying to raise families on two and three jobs and so yeah. I, I wonder well, anyway, um so so you start sevenfold coaching. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in business? So I've been doing it full time about 14 months now oh yeah full-time so I started my business in 2016 Mm -hmm. but that is where I you know I had bought a life coaching book 10 12 years ago and it was on my shelf Mm -hmm. but I was so busy doing all my things and I was actually I guess you could say was getting that need met because usually I was in a leadership type position and so as a leader I've always had a coaching aspect of it I always was about personal development where people like okay what's your next move what what are you looking at? Do you want my job? Okay, here's what you got to do, you know, to get that, you know, and people will be surprised. So I'm like, well, I plan on moving on. So I want to help coach you to be ready for where you need to be. So the position I had with the nonprofit, I did not have anyone reporting to me and that hadn't happened in over like 20 plus years. And so that's where the epiphany became. I was like, what do I miss? And it was, I miss coaching and helping to develop people. And so that's what sparked me to go ahead and get my life coaching certification and start doing all these different things, emotional intelligence certified assessment, like all the preparation for that. And that's why I say everything is for a reason, because once I kind of had gotten all of that in place, my quote unquote full-time job at the nonprofit was phased out. And so it was kind of like how you say, he just kind of pushed you into entrepreneurship because that's something I would not have just, oh yeah, I didn't grow up saying I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Actually, I grew up, you know, with, like I said, military, get your good, safe government job and, mm-hmm. you know, you're good. So entrepreneur was not on my radar or things of tasks of, of doing it all. But I was prepared. Uh, it's still, you know, challenging when you're like, okay, you're used to the consistent pay. Like you say, the consistent pay and all these different things. But yet at the same time, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy helping people have aha moments mm-hmm. and seeing them and it's just fun but it's it's not something i would have initially right. just picked it always probably just would have been a side hustle but right now i get to do it full time and i'm mm-hmm. enjoying it mm-hmm. similar thing happened to me i yeah. my job was eliminated at the supreme court in 2015 and i was like well i guess i'm gonna start a business <laughs> so because I, I just didn't want to work for anyone, you know, and I still don't. I like to work for people, but yeah. I like to be able to succeed or fail on my own, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you've gone through this process, have there been things that you've learned about yourself that surprise you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, I do. I like to say I do real talk. So we're having real talk. Mm-hmm. Basically, to be honest. 
So initially, you know, when the job phased out, I was so used to having, like I said, because that transition to the nonprofit was kind of new. It was like, okay, so now let's go back to Felicia, your high paying jobs, do all these different things, careers and go forth. And so I applied at various different places. And again, I, I tried to stay in tune into what is going on in messages. And I had went on, and this is a new time. This is no longer the time where you go on one interview and it's done. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you apply for jobs, it's usually like three or four interviews. And there were three. And at this point, there were probably four, exactly four separate different interviews where they were like, we think you're great. Yes, we think you could do this job. But someone real talk with me was kind of like, we don't want to be here a year from now hiring for this mm-hmm. job because we feel like sevenfold coaching is going to become this big thing. Now, remember, my, my uh, entrepreneur was not on my thing. And I'm like, I'm just going to continue. I can do that whenever. You know, mm-hmm. like, you get all these perks and these benefits. But during that time, the transformation I had to learn was more is like, well, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid that you're not able to have your business and maintain it and be successful and do all these different things? Like, what is it that makes you feel like you've got to have some kind of consistency? Because it's not that I didn't enjoy what I'm doing. It was the fear, the base that my needs wouldn't be met financially. And like I were talking about before of, can you survive? Can you make it? Mm -hmm. And um, so that was a journey of just having awareness. Like, you'll be okay. You know, and, and next thing, like I said, I get to meet people. Here I am sitting here with mm-hmm. you because someone else had a great experience with me and, and it will continue. So, yeah, I like to, as my husband and I kind of talk about, it's like right now I'm in the garage. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you think about, what is it, like Google and Amazon and Microsoft, Microsoft they all started in these yep. garages. And so it's like, okay. So, you know, they all started somewhere. So right now you're just... Working mm-hmm. your way out of the garage and you'll build it up. And if people can see great things in you from an interview of less than like an hour or so, mm-hmm. why can't you believe and see that in yourself? Mm-hmm. So that has been a lesson mm-hmm. uh, that I've journeyed through over this last um, year. And it's, um, you know, it's encouraging. Yeah. That, you know, you can do it. Just Yeah. You yeah. have to, you have to have a, you have to have faith. Yeah. Yeah. And your idea and yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a hard but so rewarding journey. Like, even though I'm not where I want to be, I'm broke, mm-hmm. I'm still happy. Like, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm pro- I don't think I'm doing it right at this point, but I know that I'm on the path I'm supposed to be on. So, yes, every uh, everything that we go through brings clarity. If mm-hmm. nothing else, it'll show you, OK, I don't want to do that. Right. That's right. So now I'm on to the next thing, mm-hmm. you know. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And so once you're just open to receiving that, it's like, okay, what am I supposed to be learning from this? Did I get that lesson? I did. Okay. Right. Now you can can move on. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that um, what sparked in my mind when you're talking about relationships. Yeah, remember I grew up as an achiever, remember I was independent, mm-hmm. you know, having as a military dad go out and mom had to go to work and, you know, I'm on the city bus by myself. But that was one of the things of being open to letting people help because usually it was always, I got it, mm-hmm. you know, it's under control or, you know, I got to have everything, all my ducks in a row because people expect Felicia to have all her ducks in a row mm-hmm. and have everything together. So there would be many of things that I would just keep, you know, in thinking like, I don't need any help. I got it. Um, but like that 
Sesame says you got to have community, you got to be able to engage, you got to have those relationships and, and, and be honest and open with people like, hey, yeah, I could use some help on XYZ project mm-hmm. or... It's interesting because you come... I do the same thing, but for a very different reason. Not because no one can do it the way as well as I could, mm-hmm. although sometimes I certainly think that, but it's because I have never felt like I could count on other people mm-hmm. to, to actually follow through or to do it. Or, I, yeah, let me be honest and say to do it the way I want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to kind of get into what you're seeing with people too, but I know that's one of my problems is that mm-hmm. I, I struggle to delegate and I also, I personally am one who just figures shit out. Like, mm. I don't, I'll go to Google, whatever. I'll, I figure out how to do things. Yeah. And so I think I get annoyed with other people who need more direction or guidance because I don't want them to need me, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, you know, like you were talking about you going to interviews and they would ask you that question. Like, well, what is your weakness? That used to be mine. Mm-hmm. Delegation, because... I am an achiever. I'm like, I probably very similar to you, get it done, find out, figure out what the resources is to make it happen. So I would get frustrated with other people didn't have that same Mm -hmm. drive and tenacity to get it done. I'm actually also a person that can, I thrive under stress that I create. Mm -hmm. Like there have been some fabulous things that I have pulled out at the last minute. Like I'm thinking about a project but, you know, it'd be like, it's not until like that two days before or something, you'd be like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And I can have like some of the best ideas. I can work that way. But I know other people cannot work that way. Mm-hmm. And so when people just weren't excelling, just doing the things, I was like, you know, it's just easier for me to just yes. do it. Yes. <laughs> you know, but that was a process. It was, you know, a lesson in helping people to communicate what the expectations were and then just trusting them that if they didn't do it that didn't mean that that was a failure on my part you know i don't have to take on all of that but now mind you like especially when i was in school if it was for a grade or something like that i always still had a backup plan but you know i could do something at the last minute but um as far as the work as i became more of a leader it was like you have to trust the people and i began to think that that's a lesson that they have to learn whatever the consequence may be if something didn't get done it would be okay that was their learning moment and helping them through that. And then, okay, what do we need to do to problem solve to mm-hmm. get this done? So I'm a lot better at that. It's no longer uh, an issue for me, but yeah, delegation and trusting and believing people will get the job done. Did you have to learn to not be, um, I'm going to say mean or condescending, but I don't know if those are the right words. Cause I am a very loving, compassionate, friendly person, mm-hmm. but in that context, for some reason, that part of my brain shuts off, mm-hmm. and I'm all business, and and so I know that I'm difficult. <laughs> I don't yell at people, but I know that I talk to them like I'm like they're idiots because mm-hmm. I have trouble controlling that part of me because I'm like this mm-hmm. is not rocket science, people. <laughs> you know that's sort of my attitude, and I know that's not good and it's not helpful and it's not nurturing. Yep. So we do real talk. So yep. I will say this that we were probably I can control that, and here's why. Uh, for those of you, I know this is a podcast and I, I am a black female. So there is complexities to that, to where you don't want to be perceived as the angry black woman mm-hmm. um, and just all the connotations that come with that. So when I am leading, having to manage people, I am very aware of that, that how I may come across is where I may think as somebody else is authoritative. Someone else is like, oh, she's a bitch. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, 
it's been a great dance to where I learned how to still be my authentic self to where I use the military background that I have as far as in building relationships that hopefully I have enough of relationships with people that that's not the first thing they would go to when we do have to have that real talk conversations like, look, you, you know, drop the ball here. Da, da, da. What do we need to do to kind of fix it from there? So I would say for me, yes, I, I was more aware of that just because of the skin I live in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to quit using this as a therapy session <laughs> and talk about all this stuff because that is one thing that I wanted to discuss with you. I know that, okay, don't let me forget to get to these things. One, mm-hmm. I want to know if there are kind of themes in the type of people who come to you for help and what are sort of the biggest, I'm going to call them issues. And then I also want to throw men into the mix mm-hmm. um, and how women go through life differently than, than men. And I think it's unfair in, in many ways. So I worked for a black judge mm-hmm. and I still love him, but I had much higher expectations. I put more expectations on him and other African-Americans in the legal community because there aren't many of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to meet the stereotypes. Yeah, I say stereotypes. I don't know that I know of any specific stereotypes, but I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 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 don't do a bad thing. I want you guys to be, you know, this is because I don't want people to think that black lawyers are bad. Yes. So that's where um, the imposter syndrome played out for me and mine Mm. was having to be twice as good i don't know um if you've ever seen the episode of scandal this is like when it first kind of came out Mm -hmm. i watched the first couple seasons yeah okay so do you remember when uh she was in the hangar with her dad this is when it Mm -hmm. kind of came out that she was having an affair with the president right and her dad is bringing her getting ready to put her on this plane to go to another country and they had that conversation he was like you know i i told you you always have to be what and then she whispers under her breath, twice as good. He says, what? Mm-hmm. She's like, twice as good. And he says, I told you, you have to be twice as good to just get half mm-hmm. of what they have. Basically, and I remember crying because that is a conversation that happens for many African-American, um, probably women, because we have two things. We're black and we're women. Yep. So there's this twice, this whole expectation of you have to succeed, you have to do well. And he was basically berating her because he was like, you rather settle for being first lady rather than, you know, the state, um, some um, high state, I think it was secretary of state or something mm-hmm. like that. And how he was like, I just have higher expectations of you. And so that is something that was in my life. So, you know, I had the story of making all A's and one day I got to be on my report card, love my dad to death. But, you know, he would be like, what's up with the B? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, can, can we, you know, can we get a shout out for the A's and all that? But at the same time, that also contributed to my drive and to success. Mm-hmm. But it instilled in me that you always have to be on your A game mm-hmm. all the time. And so because of that, to some degree, you do have individuals like how you're saying. It's like you don't want them to fail mm-hmm. because that's one of the things. If you're one of the first, if you fail or you do a misstep or you wrong, they, they won't just say, oh, Felicia, you messed up. They'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, see, we tried black people yes. and it didn't work out, you know, that particular person. Or if it's a female, you know, or Latina, whoever. If you're the first, there's right. this higher level degree of expectation. And so there's stress and pressures mm-hmm. that come along with that, that you always have to be doing everything right, right. perfect, perfect, 
perfect. Which, like I said, you know, contribute to what I said. It's like I have to have all my stuff together because I can't come out halfway because people have these expectations. Right. That you got to be on your A-game all the time. Yes, and, and I want to clarify, and I'm not trying to be like too mm-hmm. kind to myself because I, yeah. I certainly have my biases but because uh, I'm human, but I'm, I'm trying to be as Aren't woke as I can. Uh, <laughs> but it's not that I, I think you have to be better. I know that other people think you have to be better, and I don't want them to feel like they've been those yes. that, race, Validated. that races. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't, but at the same time, I also know it's not fair to me to be, mad at my black judge because he was removed from office and I'm like what did Mm -hmm. I tell you you know and so yeah but you're right I mean the only thing that will fix that is is eliminating racism or sexism right yeah and I don't see that happening anytime soon so I guess and I'm not asking Mm -hmm. you to solve that problem Mm -hmm. but is there anything I can do I'm gonna go ahead and just call myself a well-meaning white person Mm -hmm. is there anything I can do to help yeah. I guess it's just call other people out if they, people don't say it in front of me. If they do, I do call them out for racism or, you know, whatever the issue is. But I don't really know what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. Because you're, can, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say, I think. I do. It's like, I don't go on to a case of just saying like, oh, how are we going to solve racism? How are we going to do all these different things? I don't approach it from that. I think because my background, um, once again, in the military, as I tell people, I grew up around, you know, white people, Asian people young, old, all various kinds. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, ironically enough, in the military environment, it's about the mission. Mm-hmm. It's about getting that flag up on top of the hill. We also were in an environment that if something went down, you know, you didn't want your dad having to go talk to his CO because something happened, all these different things. You know, they all put on that green uniform pretty much. And then it was like, let's get the task done. So that's part of, for me, my experience of at the end of the day, getting the task done. But couple that with because I did have the opportunity to connect to all these very various things, I have an opportunity to connect with people and ask questions. Mm-hmm. So because my background is so diverse, I think I have caught a lot of people off guard in regards to, <laughs> I might know a pop song. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's such and such. And somebody's like, you know that? <laughs> I'm like, let me break it down for you. You know, or, you know, if it's like, you know, a rap song to my husband, I say, you know, that's a sample from like Pretty in Pink. He's like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) Like, listen to this. So it's like I've come to terms that I have kind of like a connector, a a liaison between people having conversations. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what it becomes. It becomes people being able to ask questions, have conversations about, you know, if they want to ask me, I know like some people like, well, how do you get your hair like that? Or how did you do this? And, and not being offended, mm-hmm. but rather just like, okay, you're, you're genuinely coming from an open place and want to know. So mm-hmm. let's have a conversation about that. And that hopefully what happened is, is then that person will turn and have a conversation with someone else and that will turn the conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a grass movement mm-hmm. era to where, you know, if you just sit down and you just talk with people and not mm-hmm. just make a judgment and soon, but there are some of us that are, I think, are just more equipped to do that. Yeah. Um, and I just accepted that early on, that that's somewhat of my role of being able to just have experiences to where people can't just put me in a particular box of, mm-hmm. oh, you must like this or like that. And I'm like, hmm, I like all kinds of different things. It's kind of fun, isn't it? It is. Surprising people. Oh, yeah. Like I said, yeah. I love to see the aha moments for people. And yeah. I'm like, what? Like, for really? And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love people because... Um, I used to have when they would talk to me and they'd be like, okay, where are you from? 
mm-hmm. because I might say, you know, howdy. I might say aloha, you know, and it's just I'll say something. It's like, you sound like you're from the East Coast, but mm-hmm. I might put a ma'am or something in there. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a, a nice collaboration of just it's me. This is who right. you know, get to know me. Right. Rather than who you might think you might perceive me to be just because of my looks. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I definitely tend to stereotype people from the South or from the East Coast or even though I've lived in lots of different places, I still have my kind of, uh, you know, I think of Midwesterners in a certain way, yeah. East Coast. But, you know, that's step one right there. Self-awareness all day long. When you can at least admit that you know that you do those things, that's the first step. Because there are people out there that don't even have no clue, no idea that they're doing it, yeah. what they're doing. And right. that's how you can tell, like, are you being intentionally malicious or are you just uninformed and don't know like you you can kind of tell but that it really is the first step is self-awareness i'm a big that's why emotional intelligence is one of my assessments because it really is about a getting to know yourself and then how do you interact and engage with others Mm -hmm. and so once you get those together that's how you ultimately will um, succeed and i think that's how some of the changes can come about and some of the difficulties that we encounter with God, knowing yourself is exhausting, though. Oh, my Lord. Okay, uh, let me not. <laughs> but it is, that's where the work is. You got to know yourself. I know it. All right, quick little break while we hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. I started Women Lead Arkansas in 2013 as an effort to train women to run for office. I made it nonpartisan because I want all women to have access to resources so they can become engaged in politics, policy, and leadership, regardless of their beliefs and backgrounds. Show your support by going to womenleadarkansas.org and get 15% off hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs by using discount code UPPITY, U-P-P-I-T-Y. The times we're living in cause me great anxiety, which I discuss in many of the episodes, but I know we can do better. Help Women Lead bring more people and resources together to make Arkansas the best it can be for everyone. Go to womenleadarkansas.org and use the discount code UPPITY for 15% off our merchandise. We are all in this together. All right, so let's, uh, who is coming to you and why do they think they're coming to you? Because I imagine there are two different things going on. Yeah. What they think they need and what they actually need. So ironically enough, because I remember you kind of asked me like, well, who's coming to me and who am I talking with? Mm -hmm. Just like how my background is, the the degree of people that have conversations with me are different. They're men, they're women, they're black, they're white, they're younger, they're older. Because I think part of what usually people engage in is like like you're different so that usually is like kind of a draw and then now that i'm happy like i might say something you know like oh they all say something negative it's like but why are you you know not why because why is usually confrontational but i'll ask a question it's like hmm get them to open up and then next thing you know i think what most people are really at the end of the day which is what i carry my um, business around is stress and how do i get to be happy they're dealing with some type of issue, don't know, really know what to do, or they do and are just afraid to make that particular mm-hmm. move because they're worried about some type of judgment that they're going to get from it. And so I just help people just to kind of have clarity in what they want versus what they don't want and then taking those steps to achieve what it is they want and go after it. And like I said, everybody wants happiness. And so that's why there's no particular clients per se but yeah but then the other one are are individuals that are contacting me for workshops in regards to how do we get 
how do we get our people, our leadership team to work together mm-hmm. to get to know each other better? And so, like I said, with my background experiences, engaging with them and getting some activities, getting some hands-on things like how in the military, once you're climbing up in a foxhole or something together, guess what? Guess you get to know each other, you know, pretty mm-hmm. well. So I just kind of facilitate activities that help them to do that and just make it a safe place for people to uh, be themselves. What do you think it is that keeps us from communicating well with each other? Fear of being judged. Mm-hmm. That and fear of not meeting someone's expectations. A lot of people feel like they have to be a certain way, say certain things, and if they don't do those things, they'll be ostracized, which goes back to one of the pillars about what happiness is. You want to be in community and you want to have social engagement with people. So people will shut down and squash their internal feelings rather than be kicked out of a Mm -hmm. social community, out of a group, Mm -hmm. or feel like they've been ostracized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, my sister was just telling me about something that I haven't heard that is exactly that. Yeah. Where she did the right thing, but it kind of backfired on her. And now the community, the work community is, has kind of turned on her. What do you do in that situation? When you feel like you're alone in a situation and... Um, Fine community. You don't... Because well, how do you get back in or how do you change the mindset of the community? Not knowing her particular her situation... Generally speaking, it may not always necessarily mean it's that same community. Because even if you're, if something happens and you feel like you're alone, alone, the reality is you probably aren't. Mm -hmm. It's just, you have to be in, again, have another vulnerable moment with someone. This is how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And you will find many times that you aren't alone. Someone else has probably experienced something similar to that. So it's a matter of just finding a new community that you can share that with and engage better um, with those people now depending on what her situation is that's where the coaching would be because I would need to know who that person is and what the situation is and helping them to figure out well do you really want to go back into that community Mm -hmm. you know what was it that played out you know for them and who you're engaging with Um, it is about just talking to the kind of one person um, but it's also complicated by the fact that they've been friends for a very long time and Mm -hmm. uh, which makes it emotional that's another thing is like i i don't like the emotion of interacting in a work environment Ooh. does that make sense oh yeah yeah because and that's i think that goes back to where i say i kind of shut off my compassion it's not that i shut it off i'm just yes. like we're here for this purpose yes it's business it's not personal yeah we need to get stuff mm-hmm. done yeah yeah i definitely can relate to that because that's all part of my emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and that piece of how do you engage not only with yourself, what's going on, but the people around you. So yes, I was definitely one of those not, we don't cry at work and <laughs> tell people, you know, all these different things. It was like, oh, I got time for all that. Emotions, mm-hmm. like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because, again, how my background, um, what I got from, you know, my family is like, like saying the thing when you're military, it's like, yeah, you know, you can have people being hurt or leaving, but at the end of the day, it's like, what is our goal? What is our mm-hmm. task? Um, but it's a fine dance. It's a fine character to figure out. You can still be focused on that, but not be insensitive to people. And that's where, um, when you take all the assessment tests, where I'm a little different in regards to, I won't sacrifice people per se, like, you know, forget them and just get the job done. I'm going to be aware of it. But at the same time, I'm a big purchaser and keeping it in perspective. It's like, okay. You know, if you're not able to continue, let's get you what you need. And then if we need to get someone else, you know, mm-hmm. to 
to still get the task done, but not at the sacrifice of somebody's mm-hmm. particular well-being. And that's part of, depending on the situation that your sister is in, um, my other passion about workplaces, because a lot of times that's where people are being hurt. We spend a lot of time at work. Mm-hmm. And we definitely want to be able to work better. Unfortunately, there are people just not as um, skilled. They're calling it used to be called soft skills, but now mm-hmm. I hear that it's called power skills. Oh, um, okay. That individuals are just um, are needing further development on how do we talk and engage with people and you know have clues and awareness. You know, mm-hmm. like if someone comes in, you can kind of look at their body language, like mm, something went on. So maybe that's not the best time to. Mm-hmm. They go give them the, the biggest project of the... Right. You got to know people yeah. and what they're going through and experiencing. But there is a fine line between how can I share, but I don't have to have my whole life as an open book. Right. Right. I'm telling you all of my business. Well, and I've always connected better with men in a work environment mm. because they're less likely to want to talk about their mm. family drama or work drama or whatever they're... And here I am stereotyping, but it's been my experience that um, I am not in the break room with the ladies. I am like, I don't know. I've just always connected better with men in that situation. Um, But that, I think, too, goes in part to um, or in some way to the uh, conversation about the difference between men and women in the workplace Mm -hmm. and how if we're not soft and ask people nicely to do things, then we're a bitch. Right. Mm -hmm. And I and again, I'm like. I'm going to always say, please, and would you do this? But what I'm really saying is, this is your job, you need to do this, right? And so men are allowed to say that, but women aren't. And I have yet to figure out, because it's the women who are responding to it that way. Mm -hmm. It's it's not the men. Well, most women are not, most women are in subordinate positions, Mm -hmm. I, I think, just in the workforce, I know I'm super generalizing, but what I'm trying to say is it's the women who push back on that in my experience and based on just anecdotes I've heard. For example, I had a friend, she, I have a friend, she's a lawyer, she's got her own all-female firm now, but at the time she was in a male-dominated firm and she would ask support staff to do something and they would roll their eyes or they say, well, yeah, you know, and mm. whine about it. But then if the male partner asked, Yes, sir. Get right on that. And I just, I don't know how to talk to women. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I don't, yeah. What do you, what do, you I, do about I, that? I mean, that's a huge, that's a big cultural thing. It is really um, continuing to develop your emotional intelligence. Like I said, when you know, first off, you're getting a great idea. You're sensing that something is different. You, you can sense that when I asked her to get, you know, coffee or something, like she took it a different way than if, you know, her male colleague had mm-hmm. asked to do the same thing. It is having conversations about that and having the sense. It is, you know, like, hey, I'm kind of sensing there's some tension between us. Like, you, approaching that moment of what's going on. And if nothing else, either you're going to know that that person probably has some self-development work that they need to do, or you're going to reveal whatever the underlying issue may be so that there's not a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. But you have to approach... You have to take the time and willingness to be able to approach and say, I value our connection, our relationship enough to ask, what is it between mm-hmm. us? What's what's going on? Mm-hmm. So how that way we can work well and we can work better, mm-hmm. you know, together. But yes, I've heard that, you know, stories like that many times. 
um, of, you know, women just not, you know, want to cooperate with, you know, other women supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely just means taking the time to ask the question, like, what's going on between us? That's really good because they may not even know that they're doing it. They probably don't. Mm-mm. We're so well conditioned. And, and I do think it is social conditioning. If you were kind of uh, giving me, not longer than an elevator pitch, but describe your coaching services and sort of the process of how you work with people. So I'm going to take it from the viewpoint of if we were doing one-on-one individual coaching. So you kind of usually come to me, you reached out. And so usually there was some kind of trigger pain point for you to ultimately reach out. And so I would have an opportunity to kind of hear, you know, what's going on in your your life. Like, what was it that sparked you to have this call to say, okay, I'm ready to talk with the transformation coach. I need to, to do something. And so then after finding out kind of a little bit more about that, I would probably would then want to get you somewhere to where you are. It's encouraging to know that you're going to be okay at that moment, mm-hmm. right? But then how I usually work with clients is with assessments. So depending on what that situation is, it's going to be, you know, what is your work-life happiness? How do you rank that right now? To emotional intelligence, to knowing what your strengths are, what do you value? And usually, like I said, many times most people are not self-aware of themselves, what they want, what they don't want, what they're good at. And so usually that's an exploratory stage for us. Let's figure out what that is. Because then, ultimately, at the end of the day, then it becomes, what's your goal? What are you trying to achieve? What is it that's going to make you happy? And then, like I said, it's very personal. It becomes, what do we need to do in order to get you there? Mm -hmm. Some people, it could be a one-time conversation. I'm on track. I got it. And I check in every now and then. Other people, it could be, you know, hey, I need to talk to someone, you know, two weeks, three weeks. Because some of it, depending on where the area is... Um, it could be marriage, it could be the career, it could be how do I deal with my kids. Uh, it could vary different ways. And so that's where it just becomes personal, just figuring out how you and I can work together to come alongside you to encourage you. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just helping guide you into your own brilliance. You know mm-hmm. what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You just need to be encouraged to right. believe that you can. Right. I've said that a lot, that sometimes I just need to hear something a certain way. And I'm like, okay, there it is. That's, mm-hmm. It just clicks for me. Do you have children? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have kids. How how do you balance all of that? I say balance. You say find your happiness, not yes. balance. But I remember a Humans of New York picture, and it was a woman, and she said she wants to be a, an example for her daughter um, as a successful working woman but at the same time she feels tremendous guilt for not staying home with her when she could when she had the resources to be able to do that Mm -hmm. and i i hope this changes and i think it i think it will with younger generations but Mm -hmm. i want men to feel that same guilt and um Mm -hmm. you know we shouldn't own all that and i find work to be very fulfilling i think Mm -hmm. i would have loved having kids i just didn't have any but i really feel a lot of compassion for women who are trying to be happy in their own you know using their brain yeah in a professional situation uh, but also being mothers Mm -hmm. I, i just how do you how do you try to find your happiness in that sense yeah so let me take you back so i have a 13 year old son and a five year old daughter and I would say the simple answer is I make no apologies about who I am. And when I say that, when my husband and I, we've been married 20 years, 
together for 22. Of that, we didn't have a kid until seven years into our marriage. So mind you, you know, mother-in-laws and like, when are you going to have kids? Mm -hmm. And we, I knew, as I tell people, I was selfish. I said, I don't want to be in the store deciding if I'm getting a new pair of shoes or if I'm going to buy my kids something that they, they need. I knew I was not mentally ready for that. So we waited. So when we decided to have our kids, we wanted our kids. We were very intentional about having our kids. Mind you, it was five years later before we had our next kid because I said, I need for my kid to be able to get their own little snacks and clothes and all because I just couldn't do it. Because I remember when we first did, I used to say, I, I wanted twins so my body, we don't have to go through it <laughs> once. And, and I said, he knew because he knew I couldn't deal with two strollers <laughs> and two loads of diapers. And he, he, he was like, no, Felicia, you're not ready for that. But all that to say, I enjoy work. I like success. I like solving problems. I like, you know, leading in projects and doing all those different things. I knew that. And so when my husband got with me, he knew who he married. He knew that that's how I was built. And so even now that I have my kids, there's how, especially now working at home, you know, I'm on my computer. And like I said, it could be late and doing all these different things. It's like, mommy, you know, are you, you still on your computer? And, you know, it's, we have a conversation about that. You know, mommy's working. I'm finishing up this project. You know, I love you, but hey, I'm, I'm here in the house, you know, with you. I'll take a quick minute, dash out, break. But I don't make any apologies about enjoying what I mm -hmm. do. And that because I know my strengths and how I engage with my kids, I tell them plenty of times. I love them. We do things together. And we understand. I don't feel torn when, you know, she comes to me and she says that, and it's just like, oh, okay, I realize that she's needing something. So it's like, okay, I acknowledge what she's needing or feeling. We talk about it, and then we get together uh, and just be intentional about our relationships. But it's definitely knowing who you are and what you enjoy doing and not feeling like you have to apologize because you also have a husband or a kid because the reality is they know who you are. It's just, let's all just be honest about it and... At the time, we were all just saying we were communicating what our needs are and how can we all meet our needs and be happy. Right. Um, and just doing that well. So that's... Did you um, find that you had to... I don't know what your husband's like. I know he's in the military, so he's probably pretty structured. He, he was, um, but he has his own business also. And he also mm -hmm. has a you know full-time job. He also knew I was married. I will also say that now everything happens for a reason that I'm very fortunate that my mother lives with us. So when we're off, you know, doing our various things, so we have a three generation home. Mm -hmm. And so we all work together. And that's kind of like going back to what we were talking about before of having a community mm -hmm. of a social. And it's like, you know, I do real talk with my kids. It's like, Hey, granny will have to, you know, take you to your, um, cheer thing because mommy has to go here and do and do those different things so it's kids are usually if you just explain to them just kind of mm -hmm. what's going on like they're like okay mm -hmm. and they understand how mommy is and what you know what we do and i don't try to pretend to try to do it all like i said it's just what it's all making us happening and what's working for my family might not necessarily work for your family right. or for anybody else's family who cares it's your family mm -hmm. you make it what works for you but again we have to release the judgment mm -hmm. of what happiness looks like in each of our homes. Right. That, um, 
you know, a lot of people are still holding on to the mom and dad white picket fence and everything mm-hmm. is, you know, and it's just like that's happiness for that particular person. But that's how right. your family is. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's what my family looks right. like. But Did you have to give up any kind of control or standards in delegating when you became a mother? Because that's another thing I see a lot of women do is, is they want their husbands to help or their partners to help, but yeah. they want it done their way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about, at the end of the day, for me, what you are looking for and looking for the positive aspect mm-hmm. of it. So I am very fortunate. My husband is, he doesn't have, I think, what being people might have thought before what traditional aspects would be. So like, you know, we're doing real talk. So give an example. So after I had my first son, the expectation I thought in my mind was I have to breastfeed all the time. And so everyone is different. And so for me, I wasn't producing enough milk to where it was like, you know, you're trying to pump and you do all these different things. Right. And I was just, I remember it's just like, Oh my gosh. And like literally, because I thought he has to have breast milk. Because that's like, what everyone said, you know. Like I said, when, you know, it's like that commercial love commercial. When you have your first kid, you have all these ticks and boxes that you have to check. Mm-hmm. And so in this particular one, I remember he went into the kitchen because we had like some sample formula. He mixed it. He's like, the baby ain't gonna go hungry. He's like, that's what they made formula for. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, huh. I guess so, but I was all stressed out thinking it all has to come from me and it just all has to be breast milk. But then we made it to where I made enough. He got some formal, he got some breast milk. And my viewpoint at that point was he got some breast milk Mm -hmm. and I provided the best that my body was able Mm -hmm. to produce, you know, for him. And so like for me, it was like he got the six weeks, Mm -hmm. you know, of of breast milk. Like, great. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be, like I said, he's 13 now. He's fine. Right. And, um... But that's where it's, it's, it's the, it doesn't have to look like how I would do it. And that's where you're saying you have to release that mm-hmm. to where it's like, oh, okay. You know, the husband, you have him dress the kids. I might not have put the kids in that particular outfit, but they're warm. They're good. Right. They're going to be safe. They're happy. I'm happy. <laughs> right. yeah. Go for it. I have to, you have to release the judgment of, oh, well, what are people going to think of my yes. kids? Because they're out and maybe their socks don't match. You know, but that's just using that as an example. But, but yeah, it's, you have to ultimately think about what is going to help contribute to your happiness. If your husband is helping you, okay, like, yeah, he fed the kids and it wasn't a vegetable or starch mm-hmm. and, and all of that. But, hey, it was pizza, but the kids got they're fed. not starving. They weren't starving. <laughs> That's right. Right. That's so right. I was like, hey, let's keep it all in perspective. Right. Yes. Okay. So uh, so you do individual one-on-one coaching and then mm-hmm. you do workshops. Workshops. Yes. Like I said, I, I would say those are my, my favorites mm-hmm. because it has that social and community aspect mm-hmm. of just seeing people come together and meeting someone usually that they never had a conversation with and getting to know them and then walking out like, Oh, I know that person better is, it's just a beautiful thing. And, or someone has an aha moment of just self-awareness. Like I didn't look at it that particular way. I just really love just helping facilitate those conversations and helping people to, to see themselves and how they fit into their group and how they can help make their group to work better. 
So yeah, so usually it's organizations asking me to come like workshop, breakout speakers. They have leadership summons, HR companies to come and contact me to to speak and encourage their their staff. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, it really does become personal. It's all the way from um, workforce engagement to ethics to how to encourage people to f- discover their strengths at work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a variety of different things, but yeah, I love doing those too. I have come at this from my feminist bias. So I'm going to ask you about men. Um, mm-hmm. Are there differences in what men are seeking in the way of happiness compared to women? Or do we all have kind of the same issues? Mm, interestingly enough, um, I have not had individual one-on-one clients with men. Mm-hmm. I will say I've had people contact me, but the reality is that usually when I'm talking with men, it's not that they're my clients. They're, we're somewhere, they say something, and I kind of drop a nugget for them. Mm-hmm. That's usually my most for clients because the reality is, like we talked about before, especially if they're married, that, which I get, totally get, is that, you know, because coaching can be so intimate as far as in the conversations that you have, it could just be challenging to have a female coach and a married male uh, coach just because of this whole, like, well, what did y'all talk about? And all this different mm-hmm. And I have confidentiality. Uh, so usually with the male clients, it's usually in those group activities or like you're at some networking event and they'll say something and it's just like, oh, did you think about X, Y, Z, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really quiet under for the men is uh, confidence, huh. which is some, not something they would necessarily admit. Right. You know, a lot. And, and that's usually, most of them are usually connected to the imposter syndrome. Yeah. They, they experience that too. Uh, to some degree, and so they'll kind of ask questions, or um, some of them have bought my book um, regarding that on how do they deal with all of that. Because some of them, you know, it's first for them too of being the one and only, especially if they're like an African American male or first one in college or something like that from their family. So yeah, so I think that's how a lot of the clients I would have for males that they just bought the book. I'm embarrassed to admit that I don't think I realized you had a book. Yeah, it's probably right there on your homepage or something. <laughs> It's, it's on my, um, it's it's entitled, Do You Feel Like a Fraud? Oh. A Life Coach's Guide for Discovering Imposter Syndrome. Okay. And so because that was my personal experience, so I, I shared that if you never became my face-to-face client, I wanted people to know what imposter syndrome was about, and I then provided tips on how to overcome that when you're in the moment of it, of how you can uh, let go of the negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah. Okay, good to know. Well, yeah. I'll try to promote the hell out of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it is available on Amazon. Okay, good. We put a lot of pressure on men. Women, we have our own issues, mm-hmm. um, our own struggles that we deal with from the pressure from our culture, but uh, men definitely have a lot of pressure. So it does not surprise me at all to hear that there's a lot of imposter syndrome going out, out there. They're supposed to be masculine. They're supposed yeah. to be in charge. They're supposed to be... And how do you balance that between being in charge and masculine, but yet, you know, sensitive and right. caring? Yeah, they right. it's mm-hmm. they is, have just as much complexity as we're trying to figure out as, you know, women. Right. Like, how do you be strong and authoritative, but yet friendly? They, they're dealing with the same mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that uh, men want to be as engaged with their children as women do. I mean, mm-hmm. there's definitely a biological thing. Just like I can't understand what it is to be a man. 
he can't understand what it is to give birth to a child or to mother a child. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't mean they love them any less. And, and I think that, um, from what I've observed and some of the reading I've done where it's more accepted for men to be, to take maternity, paternity leave, for mm-hmm. example, or to be the primary caretakers, they're just as engaged as the woman would be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but we, we don't, they're not supposed to be that way, I guess. Right. It's, so we put these different expectations on men. They're the providers. They go to work. They make sure you have a mm-hmm. roof over your head. Um, but they don't have to do all the, the so-called maternal stuff. You know, it comes back to to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Because if you're saying one thing, but then you have these other expectations of your husband or the spouse to do something different, it's like you have to figure out, okay, what really is, you know, going on, like, here. We definitely, like I said, didn't have that complexity as far as in, in our family. So, like, for example, people, some women... We still find it like my husband is, you know, he's the man of the house. And, you know, he has a whole album called Man of the House. <laughs> he is grown man. But what I will say to that is that, yes, I honor and respect him as the man of the house, as the provider. At the same time, I'm a queen. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you need a visual, since we're already like, you know, we're lions. He's the lion. And he can roar. And you can hear that roar from like five miles away. But at the same time, the lioness is no chump either. Mm -hmm. It's like she's the one that actually goes out and hunts Mm -hmm. and do all these different things. And yet at the same time, they work together as a team. And that's how we are. Because like I say, if you put those expectations of what society says, the lioness is the one that goes out and hunts and brings home the meat for the family and all Mm -hmm. those different things. So in those stereotypical ways, like the women wouldn't do that, you Mm -hmm. know, and the men especially all those different things. But it's like, again... What works for your family? Yeah, that's right. You know, totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, there's what, like, what is it? The penguins? It's like, you know, like the penguins, oh. the, the man sits yeah. on the A and yeah. the woman goes off and she swims and then she, I mean, mm-hmm. so it's like there are many examples, but we just have these, was what, what we call old programming stuck in our head that basically says it's supposed to look like this way. And then when it doesn't look like this way, we're like, uh uh-uh, like, What's going on? Like right. you're there's a glitch right. in in the matrix. But if you can let go of what's supposed to be good for you and not worry about what everybody else is projecting onto your family, then go for it. But yeah. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you said that because I I don't mean to sound like I think that there's a right or wrong way. Oh no. What mm-hmm. I get annoyed about is people who don't let others do it the way they want to, I guess, or we're judgment, judgmental. Judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Judgment. Um, and I know that's a lot of the pushback against feminism. To me, feminism, all that means is I want the same opportunities as men. Doesn't mean I'm entitled to win or get what I want, but I want, at least want to be able to try. But a lot of people see it as we all want you to go to work and, you know, kind of, uh, destroy those gender roles entirely mm-hmm. or say that you can't stay home with your kids as a woman. That's not what I mean at all. I just mean if you don't want to stay home with your kids and you want your mother-in-law or your mom mm-hmm. to, to help take care of them, then you should be allowed to do that without judgment from me. Right. Right? I just don't know that there's a right way or a wrong way. There isn't. Yeah. Like I said, that, and that's what we all have to do is let go of that mm-hmm. judgment. But until that happens, what I encourage people is to not let those other individuals' judgment 
impede on your happiness. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like you have to meet what they're expecting of you. Interfere with your, and that's the thing. Right. Like I'm, I'm totally tracking with you in regards to. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's judgment. It's like if whatever works for your family's work, you know, works right. for your family. But you know, we want to put things in these nice, quote unquote, clean boxes of what's right, what's wrong. You know, and that's why you know one of my favorite stories is the, you know the Chinese proverb about what's good, what's bad. Have you ever heard that story Mm-mm, before? No. Real synopsis is it's what's good, what's bad. So there's this Chinese farmer, and there's he has a horse, and his horse goes away. It was like his only horse, and his neighbor comes by, and they're like, "Oh, that's so bad, you lost your horse." And the farmer's like, mm, "Maybe." Then you know, a couple of days later, the horse comes back with seven other horses. Mm-hmm. The neighbors come back and they're like, oh, that's so good. Now you got seven horses. And the farmer is like, mm, you know, maybe. And so then his only son that helps him farm the land was trying to tame one of these new wild horses. And he goes out and he breaks his leg. The neighbors come over there and like, oh, that's so bad. Your son's legs got broken. And the farmer's like, mm, maybe. And so then the army comes and they start recruiting all the sons to go to war to go fight and they come and they find his son laid up in the bed and they're like oh well we can't take him because he's got a broken leg you know the neighbors come back over and they're like oh that's so good that you're said it and the was just like eh, maybe so it was like the whole moral of the story is is like when you look at the various situations at the end of the day what's good and mm-hmm. what's bad Mm-hmm. right it's all just about like it's our just journey it's just part of our life it's about how we look at it but at the same time people can come in they'll think that you have to feel a certain way or label it some other type of way yeah it's just a reminder of like you know like oh that's so bad or that's so good and you know it's just a reminder like maybe mm-hmm. let it play out yep let you know it's life let it continue so you can get all upset and be distraught or you can keep living and and make it you know your life what's what's happiness for you yeah that's and that's how i think of getting fired i mean they eliminated the job same thing and it was fine with me that day yeah i was like all right well what's next that's uh, so i'm saying and look at that now so like somebody could say you know because we're both in the same situation right our mm-hmm. jobs plays out but then look now here we are talking together you have a podcast like that just led you to doing mm-hmm. something else and you're reaching so many thousands of other listeners out there right now but would that have happened if you hadn't have had that job to to phase out? Back then, you know, like at first, you know, you're part of your ego. Sure. It's like, what? Like, you couldn't find another position? Like, right. you're just going to let me go? But now I have the opportunity to go out in all these various avenues of workplaces to be able to help people. Mm-hmm. Now I can help individuals on my time or when they're needing something to schedule to help them. Mm-hmm. So it's like our reach actually became bigger but it had to come for a season where it had to come to a stop or yes. an end. Because yeah, it really that's exactly right. Yeah. No, it's just it's just another leg in the journey. I had wanted to leave the job because I was not happy there. And they did me the favor, rudely, but they still did me the favor. Mm-hmm. But now I get to build a business where I can provide low-cost legal services to people who couldn't otherwise afford it. And so yeah. I'm having a much greater impact, even though I love that job and for a lot of reasons, this is much better for my heart and my uh, kind of purpose in life, which mm-hmm. I think is to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it all works out. Yeah. You got a little push Yeah, because it wasn't necessarily like how you say, even though you were unhappy, you were still there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's just a way of just our situation is like, okay, he knows what you ultimately want. Mm-hmm. And it's like when we get it, at first you're like, wait, there's a change. and But then if you look at, like you said, now I'm reaching all these people. Now I'm able to help 
all these individuals. It's just like, oh, but I had to go through that in order to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, that's everything that's in my life, all the experiences that I had and, you know, the conversations, you know, back then, even, you know, back when your dad's like, what's up with the beef? But that had to push me to have the drive to do all these different things to ultimately where it got me to, to what, you know, sits before you here in this chair. And that's how we all are. We're just on our own life journey, mm-hmm. um, which is a good thing. I actually, it, I'm smiling because it just, I just, I don't know. It makes me happy. Yeah. You know? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> She's happy. I have done my job. Now, that is not to say that I'm not hiring you to do some coaching because <laughs> I could be a lot happier. Okay. okay. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I know whenever I'm feeling down, I still know that I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe not the right way again, but I'm, I'm still doing it. So, uh, well, I'm really excited to meet you and I will for sure be hiring you at some point. <laughs> okay. Uh, I already know what, sure. I know what my problems are. Okay. It's, I just need for you to tell it to me in the right way to, to figure out how to move forward better. So, yeah. um, well, that is, you know, um, if you, you know, as you look me up, like connect with me on LinkedIn, it's like when you, Look, you know, LinkedIn has referrals on. When you mm-hmm. look at my LinkedIn referrals, that's what a lot of people is just like, you know, she's going to do the real talk with you. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to love you and, and encourage you, but I'm going to keep it real. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, th- if this is where you want to be, how do we get there and, and yeah. do those different things without judging you? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to judge you. Like, girl, you need to be the... No. Right. Like, okay, this is where you're at. You might need not to be a little mean to me. <laughs> can do that too. Because, see, I know you can take it. <laughs> yes, I can. Z, don't you. be too nice. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Um, you know, sugar cup, and that's what that's the beauty about coaching. So individuals, yeah. as you know, you're listening, you're like, oh well, you know, maybe I need a coach. Find the coach that that have have a conversation mm-hmm. that will connect with you because it will be a relationship. It needs to have energy and connection mm-hmm. of like, okay, are we kind of like like minded to where I can push you but yet not so much push you in a panic zone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like we want to grow, but not to where it's like you're just completely overwhelmed. And that's a dance, a unique way of doing that. So don't be afraid to ask whoever's going to be your coach questions of how do they work, mm-hmm. like how you're asking me and like what their style is and and do your homework. Yeah, Like I said, you know, go to, like I said, social media. What are they doing, the things that they're talking about that they say that they can help you with? Right. Do they feel like they're living the lifestyle that you're like, okay, yeah, they're, quote, unquote, practicing what they, you know, kind of preach, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, you know, have someone that's authentic that's just not trying to take your money. It, it is kind of like finding a therapist. I mean, mm-hmm. not everyone is right for you. Yeah. And I have had really one, I haven't done a ton of therapy, but I've, I've been to several and mm-hmm one is my absolute favorite yeah that's not true there are two actually but it took me some time to find them yeah and i think too we are it's it's like breaking up with a hairdresser you know i mean there's such <laughs> personal relationships you and then what your words you'll see them on the street yeah or like, oh, <laughs> like you know i don't want to you know or i don't want to hurt my therapist's feelings or you've invested your soul in some ways into this person it's like ugh, like that's always been my thing i'm like oh my god you know, because my family life, it's just so complicated. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm too tired to have to explain all that again, you know? <laughs> I'll just stay and with so, this yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. but, um But, yeah, I mean, if, if you are if you can't make the right connection, uh, it, it just cannot be as effective for you. So, yeah, I agree. That's that's really important. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually talking to Tharwat later this week, and mm-hmm. so I have no idea what she's like or who she is. I just took the recommendations that were given to me, and so yeah. I would imagine that, you know, you all probably, maybe you had different styles and maybe... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, but it's, yeah, it's important to find 
someone who feels right for you. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's great. She's a great encourager, like I said. And that, again, is another thing that I'm not fearful or have a lack mentality, meaning just because she and I do the same thing, mm. it doesn't mean like, oh, you're going to take my client or this client. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not how we, you right. know, well, um, from what I, our engagement and talking it's like different styles. Right. How people will engage with you or who your client is going to be is a totally different thing. And that's why I've encouraged people to just know that there's no try not to have a lack mentality, just limited resource or just fight for everything because it's, right. there's many people out there. Yeah, um, there's enough to go around. There really is. Yeah. There really is. I agree. We can support each other. Exactly. And still be competitive. Cheer on. Yeah. Without being, yeah. Without being ugly. You can work together. You can that's collaborate. Right. And, and then there's another thing, too. There's different price points. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's like, depending on what her target market or her audience or what she really, you know, thrives with can be totally different. But that's where whole referrals come into place. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if you're looking for this, then, you know, you might be a better fit with XYZ. Mm-hmm. And then in hopes and terms that I know that that'll come back to me as well. It's just like, yeah. okay, well, maybe I'm just not the coach for you. Yeah. And then that's someone else that it is. And if I know someone, I'll refer that that name but I have a friend who she worked with me for a little while our personalities did not go together well at all and she ended up leaving Mm -hmm. we're still friends she went to work with someone who has a similar business model to mine but Mm -hmm. but it's it's different it's a higher-end legal service and we all refer things to each other so it's like just because just because we broke up doesn't mean that we're not good people and we're not trying to do good in the world, you know, and that we can't support each other. And even if we did have similar business models, I would still probably send people to them if, if I couldn't help them, you know? Yeah. And I just, I just would like to see, I love competition. I'm super competitive, but at the same time, but not at the expense of someone else, I right. guess. Just exactly what you said. There are enough resources. There are enough people who need coaching help. Mm-hmm. There are enough people who need legal services. We don't have to step on each other's necks to get to the next level, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, yeah. I feel like I could talk to you all day. I know I've got to let you go. Um, thank you so much. It was so good to meet you. And nice meeting you. Thank you yeah. for having me on the show. Yeah. I've been enjoying your your episodes. Yeah, and, good. And the format and continue much success for you. Good, thank you. And likewise, and I'm, for real, I'm going to be in touch with you. Okay. I need to find some money, but I'm, I'm going to be. Okay, I'm shutting her down. All right.